Hello, everybody. This is Two Guys Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelican. You are listening to episode 126 and continuing in the month of Halloween. We are covering this week the top five were creature movies. Um I think you developed this list like almost a year ago, Frank, if I remember correctly, um, or at least the idea for the list, I think, um, with some of the movies. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, anthology episode doing really well for us um, from two weeks ago. And um, a lot of our horror has been doing really well so far this year, much better than um, normal, where I used to joke that we yeah. used to have, you know, our, our 20 people that like really liked our horror stuff. Um the 90s um and some of these recent lists have really um people are really seem to dig them so um thank you everybody for downloading yep. um so um how do you feel about this category like this subgenre in general so oh, i was thinking about this a lot today um obviously because i know like how these podcasts go but um i used to love werewolves in general um and where creatures like broadly when i was young um i saw the wolfman movies and the oliver reed hammer movies when i was pretty small like probably like four or five at the at the oldest um and was completely like i don't know i guess transfixed by the idea of like somebody changing from human to like beast form um and then i I probably saw the howling when I was like six years old. Um, and you know, when I was pretty young and I, I think we've talked about this a little in the podcast before, but I was pretty obsessed with, um, folklore and myth, um, and like urban legend throughout my childhood, like into my teenage years. So I read a lot of books as a kid on werewolves and like Eastern European folklore and, um, werewolf movies and, Anytime like a werewolf movie was on, I would want to watch it. And I think there was some like connection I had to the idea of I don't know, like being something else that like nobody knew that it was you, but having like all this like strength and power through it that was appealing to me when I was young. And like that's probably like a I don't know psychological reasons that Frank's like all I don't know, fucked up throughout most of his life episode of Two Guys Five Movies. Um between, but as between, I get older, between I this watched. kind of between this and the best 30 minutes, like uh, we're we're gonna have a good uh profile on you at some point here soon. I know it's un it's unfortunate. Um nice nice subtle plug for our other uh other podcast series. Um I kind of lost interest in werewolves at a certain point. And I think the same thing with vampires kind of too, where I feel like they're sort of mostly end up just being like one note monsters kind of. And unless there's movies that really approach the subject matter from like a unique or different perspective, it's just kind of boring to me. Um, And now like when you look at it, most werewolf movies just are, kind of tragic i mean they usually end with the death of the protagonist um or the antagonist i mean whatever like the main character is usually like some sympathetic or mildly sympathetic person that's inflicted with the curse and they can't control themselves and um there's not too many where like the idea is embraced that being a were creature is somehow 
like a thing that the person wants to be or wants to like have like usually it's something they don't want and they're not under control of their transformations and um so i don't know um i found it interesting to watch these movies again uh a couple of which most of which i guess i are are modern um and then two older ones and the older ones i found to be more boring i guess in a lot of ways than the newer ones um where people were trying to at least like take different different approaches to the filming of the the shapeshifter werewolf whatever movie um so yeah i don't know i mean i still have a lot of affection for stuff like like the lon cheney wolfman movies um are kind of hokey but there's still something there that i really enjoy like i i, I like the iconic look of um lon cheney as the wolfman um, I really like Oliver Reed's Wolfman just because I don't know, it's just funny. He's like so much just Oliver Reed, but with like this crazy like hair shooting out all over him. Um and then there's stuff through the eighties, you know, like the American Werewolf in pa- or London or yeah, American Werewolf in London, um, Wolfen, uh the Howling series, which is continued into the two thousands, and I think it's like eight movies deep now or something. Um one of the biggest problems with werewolf movies too is is the transformation aspect. Um, like it's really difficult, I think, to nail down someone shape shifting from a person into a creature. Um, and when it's not done right, like it becomes really immersion breaking almost. Like it's it's so hokey that like you can't like no matter how much I really kind of have this abject dislike for vampire movies in general like vampire movies you can do a good vampire typically like it's just a little bit of makeup and you know like the way the actor carries it um same with anything else like ghost movies or pretty much any other like genre and horror like it's it's a lot easier to portray the thing that's scaring you um as being sort of realistic like allowing you to still suspend your disbelief whereas i think in werewolf movies like even in most of these movies and i i really enjoy quite like a few of these movies um it still comes off as kind of silly you know right yeah i i think werewolves for me like the transformation stuff is and this says a lot about me probably and it's, it's the thing i know that you you actually like effects and stuff like that and you know a lot about like the the great effects artists um in horror at least compared to me <laughs> you you know a hell of a lot about it um because i don't know shit but um i know a couple key names and that's it but i i think it's one of those things where it's like it's not that i don't respect it but i i i just almost like default to expecting competency so it's like when it when the effects are good i don't pay attention to them that much because i'm not thinking about it but it, it's when it's bad it's noticeable um to me like when it's really bad um so like when i see like these werewolf transformation scenes like i'm not really like thinking about them unless they're bad and if they're bad like i notice and if they're good like i'm more focused usually on like the story behind it as opposed to the actual transformation but i like reading about the like people saying stuff about this genre so many people are focused on the wolf itself and the transformation process like viewers of these movies like are really like kind of like keen and obsessed almost with 
how good the transformation looks. I've seen this over and over on like Rotten Tomatoes and even critical reviewers talking about special effects. Like, and um, right. it really seems there's like with this genre, there's this particular focus on those special effects, which you don't, we don't really talk about much special effects a lot, but it's like, this is a genre where it seems key to its existence. I mean, really good special effects, um, especially in between the mid to late seventies and throughout the eighties, when you had people like, um, like Rob Botton and um, Kirkman and uh, Rick Baker, um, Tom Savini, you know, like doing these visual effects when it's really good, it's seamless within the movie Mm -hmm. Um, and you recognize it, but you don't like, it's just like a part of the entire, like, the whole um whereas if you look at like the better like werewolf transformations to your point it becomes the focal point of that movie is like you know oh let me see like to me the the maybe the best like on-screen practical effect werewolf transformations are um rick baker's in uh, american werewolf in london and the same thing that he did in the thriller video with uh, michael jackson so just the way that like the skin stretches and um, you know, the features become like more uh, canine or whatever, or lupine, I suppose. Um, like all of that stuff is is really cool and seamless and is seamless in terms of like it, it actually looks like the the actor is like shifting into that form um, without it becoming like weird or silly looking. Mm-hmm. Um, but at its core, it still is the same story as any other werewolf movie. You know, is that this guy is cursed? It's ruining his life. I mean, it, it looks really good, but I don't know. I think there's just a certain like kind of boring aspect to the to the werewolf story, um, like that gothic, tragic, romantic aspect to it. Um, that's a little different than the vampire because the vampire, at least in his like in the monster form of vampires typically still, you know, like darkly seductive or whatever. Whereas a werewolf is just like a big hairy beast. that's going to like rip you apart. And that's kind of like the menace to it is, you know, claws and fangs and stuff like there's just nothing else. So I don't know. Right. right. Um, and then there's some werewolf transformations and even like, again, like in these movies that I really enjoy um, that are so silly looking like that, the werewolf form just, it's 100% like a rubber mask or animatronic or whatever. Um, but then you look at something and we'll like talking about outside the horror genre. Um, but a franchise that certainly has the money to do visual effects in the Harry Potter series um, with the Lupin transformations. Um, the final, like the Lupin werewolf is stupid looking, you know, like mm-hmm. it's not like scary or cool or anything. It just looks dumb. <clears throat> and again, so obvious, like a, like a visual effect that I don't know. I don't know if there's even like there's movies that I didn't cover on this list. There's a movie called dog soldiers Mm -hmm. um, that has some pretty good transformations and has um, interesting plot of like these werewolves that are kind of attacking this manor house. Um, But when you see them, like they're still kind of silly, you know, right. It's like, um, you ever seen Rawhead Rex? No. So Rawhead Rex is uh, based on a Clive Barker short story. And the movie itself has 
really good plot and not not a really good but like like a good plot and like like acting and it's atmospheric and then every time you see the monster it is so clearly just this like awkward suit type thing that it like ruins any kind of build of like i don't know dread or fear or like tension that's been built up i mean Pumpkinhead probably does it best because they don't show you like the majority of the time and when they right. do show you it's like most of the time it's tight close-ups or it's like just like what i think is the best way to show a monster which is <clears throat> the cloverfield method which is kind of like you're only seeing like a small fraction of that monster to kind of heighten like to use your imagination against you as to what does the rest of this thing look like Mm-hmm. and then once you start showing and in a werewolf movie like you got to show the werewolf at some point right and sure. typically for long stretches ultimately like i think most of the time it just kind of becomes silly so sure um since you mentioned american werewolf in london as being a really good transformation um i think a lot of people would end up having this like really high on their list and so can you can you just explain like why why don't you have it on your top five I mean, how much else can be said about that movie, really? Like, I think for most people that watch horror movies, even casually, that they've seen American Werewolf in London, um, for the longest time, because of Landis and because of um, just the popularity of that movie, when you would read about horror or see anything about horror, they would always have stills from that movie mm-hmm. or show scenes from that movie. I mean, the the scene with him and... Um, Trafalgar's Trafalgar Square, or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. like it's one of the most like iconic, you know, I think horror scenes in for like two decades, basically. Um, and I just got kind of tired of that movie. I guess I don't know. It's like one of those things where I think of a good like analogy to that, but like just how much more can you say about it? You know what I mean? We we've talked about that with the Star Wars movies at times and. Mm-hmm. Like you and I have talked, whatever, like all fair um, about that, where there's certain movies that the the Godfather movies is a good example. Like, of course, are the God the Godfather one and two are they some of the best like gangster movies, mafia movies ever made? Yeah, a hundred percent. Like they probably are the best. But how much more is there to say about those movies and hasn't already been said? You know, sure. <laughs> like at some point, something can be so good that it almost is too good. Um. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Um, I will say this about the American Werewolf in London. About American Werewolf in London is um, the nightmare sequences in that movie to me are the best parts of the movie. Um, like I think it's a really cool, um, like visual, um, way to like show this man's like internal turmoil. Um, I really like the like those segments of that movie a lot. I'm also was kind of soured on American Werewolf with American Werewolf in Paris because I hate that movie so much that it kind of is over the years kind of pushed Ameri- American Werewolf in London like out of the forefront of my mind. So yeah, I just didn't really want to talk about it. Gotcha. Um. Now, we've talked about two werewolf movies from my recollection previous on the podcast, uh, The Company of Wolves from Neil Jordan movie, 
Um, and Bad Moon, which was a 96 horror movie that we talked about this year. Um, would, e- would either of those movies have possibly made this list? I would have put Company of Wolves on this list. Yeah. Um, I almost did. Just the fuck <laughs> it. Uh, I mean, that's a mean way to put it, but you know, because I do not like that. I did not like that movie at all. You don't. I was actually thinking about that today, like how funny that was about how much you really disliked that movie. Every once in a while, one really gets me that I just do not like. Um, but that's one of them. I really like Bad Moon, though, um, a lot. Um, something I never heard of before, but I was glad to put it on that list in '96. Um, so I know this is like. Yeah for you way off topic and not something that would enter your mind uh, to put on a list like this. But since you mentioned early, probably 20 minutes ago now about this idea of like how werewolves are always kind of like a bad thing. Like it's something you can't control all those kind of things. How do you feel about Teen Wolf? I mean, I like Teen Wolf as a, you know, as a kid, I don't, it's probably been God. I have no idea when the last time I saw Teen Wolf was. 25 years maybe oh geez see that and that's so that's that's one of the biggest differences between you and i is like i've seen in the past 10 years even when i wasn't watching movies like teen wolf was on prime and like i watched it like 10 years ago and i watched it just like two years ago um like when it was up free somewhere again like that's the kind of like that was always my comfort stuff i guess like when i was a kid was was movies like that um but i know like i was just asking because i know they don't like something like comedies just in general and stuff like that just don't cross your mind um that much but yeah i don't i mean because to me it's 100 percent a werewolf movie teen wolf uh-huh. um but yeah it's just the silliness of it like it's um i don't know it's it's i don't mind horror comedies to a point um, cause I like the, um, like Shaun of the dead and whatever. Um, yeah, I think you actually like them more than I do, honestly. A, a good horror comedy is something I can really like just sit down and enjoy, but yeah. I don't know, I guess maybe I just marginalized Teen Wolf in my head because it is so much, even as a kid, I always thought that movie was kind of a joke right? Not like in like, haha, it's a comedy, like just. I mean, the dude's fucking like playing basketball as 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 a fucking. I mean, I don't. Yeah, know. it's fairly funny. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> all right, so let's just go ahead and get started. Um, number five on your list is 1981's uh, "The Howling," directed by Joe Dante. It stars Dee Wallace, Patrick McNee. Dennis Dugan, Christopher Stone, Kevin McCarthy, Slim Pickens, and also Dante Regulars, Robert Picardo, and a small role for Dick Miller. Um, it has a 72% from audience, or sorry, critics, and a 58% from audiences, um, which is surprising to me that the audience score was that high still. But uh, so you want to tell us a little bit about this movie and uh, why you ended up putting it on the list? Um, yeah, so. Movie follows um, a reporter, uh, Karen White, um, who's being stalked by a serial killer um, and is used um, in cooperation with the police and her network um, to kind of bait the killer so they can catch him. Um, So she goes to a um, porn theater where she's confronted by the serial killer 
um who forces her to watch like uh like violent rape pornography um and then she kind of blacks out like she doesn't remember what happens um but the guy is shot and killed and then taken to the morgue and she's got ptsd over it so um his body disappears from the morgue so she's sent by her psychiatrist to this <clears throat> kind of mountain retreat um where he sends like special clients um to get away and decompress and whatever and um her friend and her friend's boyfriend are still kind of like trying to investigate um the mystery of this guy's body like disappearing from the morgue um so long story short um it turns out that the entire retreat is werewolves um but not your traditional uh like lon cheney curse of the werewolf werewolves like people that can actively control their transformations and embrace the fact that they're were creatures um so her uh, husband gets bit and turned into a werewolf and then it kind of like i guess sort of the movie uses it as a metaphor for like his infidelities basically because he becomes like sexually active with another um werewolf woman who's just like she she's described as like the camp nymphomaniac but um like this woman that really embraces like the feral like wild and like untamed nature of being like this this beast um ultimately karen gets bitten um and on national tv like transforms into a werewolf to show like the threat that they pose um and then gets shot with a silver bullet but nobody takes it seriously because i guess everyone thinks that it's a joke so um so i'm going to talk to two ways about the howling and the first way is how the howling affected me as a kid um and the second way is how the howling affected me as a 44 year old man <laughs> okay um <laughs> so as a kid like i fucking loved the howling um i first saw it as an edited like censored version on um whatever one of those saturday morning tv uh channels so probably like 83 or 84 would have been the first time i saw this movie <clears throat> but i love the idea of the people being able to control their transformations um because the majority of your traditional werewolf movies um the transformation is um an un unwilling one and typically predicated by um like the advent of the full moon because mm -hmm. uh, that's typical like werewolf mythology um but in this like i always thought it was like a really cool idea that the people could control themselves and they could change into a werewolf whenever they wanted like it, it again i guess kind of played into those um like that dark appeal of the idea of being able to like change who you were and um as a kid like i read a lot of comic books um like a lot of comics so i read things like werewolf by night and like the marvel horror comics which had werewolves in them um and even beyond that, I was really into the characters like Wolverine and Sabretooth who were like the the feral, you know, like up close and personal, like badass, whatever. Um, so it always appealed to me, the idea of like just being able to like change who you are and gain all this power. Um, so when I put this on the list and you watched this movie before I did and you, I guess we're like moderately unimpressed with it. Mm -hmm. And I knew it wouldn't be the best movie on the list, but I thought I would enjoy it more. But man, I had to watch this movie three times 
to finish watching it because it's just boring kind of um especially when you consider like how i don't know like i think it's a pretty pretty cool concept um it's just weird like joe dante just kind of makes it bland in a lot of ways and um i like the werewolf transformations i think the werewolf um special effects are, are are pretty decent for the most part um i think the general idea of the movie like the oh so the serial killer he was a werewolf so he comes back whatever yeah um midway through the movie and then ends up getting killed um by a silver bullet but i i like that idea i think that's really cool like from a um from like the perspective of a horror movie like that's that's an interesting way to look at it that that's that's what someone who had that ability would do you know maybe is become a serial killer and do these things that like no like mortal or normal human being could accomplish like with their whatever um and maybe i'm maybe this is like revealing too much about me psychologically but um i just don't know that in this execution it necessarily comes off in the way that it's intended um and i think a lot of that is because there's so much exposition before you get to any like real werewolf shit i mean seriously probably what like 45 minutes maybe before like the concept of the werewolf is revealed oh yeah yeah and maybe you spend so much time you spend so much time in the colony before you get to anything like that's actually involving like the core feature of the movie yeah because it's 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 when her husband is out hunting Mm -hmm. and then goes back to the cabin with the nymphomaniac woman and she tries like put the moves on him and he kind of like is like, oh, you know, after making out with her, like, oh, I can't do this. And then he's attacked in the woods. I mean, I think that probably is like 45 to 50 minutes into the movie. <clears throat> so it's almost um almost not even a werewolf movie, even though like the central conceit mm-hmm. of the movie is about the fact that these people are like whatever, like a colony of shapeshifters, like out in the woods. Um so yeah, so there still was like some nostalgic um feeling i had for this movie the the opening and it isn't even opening because it takes like 10 minutes to get to that but the scene in the um the porno theater um with her kind of being like him from behind like sort of like caressing her and um like was always really uncomfortable to me as a kid and like Uh a lot of those images stuck with me um the idea of him like breaking out of the um the slab on the morgue was always like i don't know like i'm sort of in the back of my mind as a child like that idea of somebody like forcing their way out of the door and whatever um but overall like this movie's just kind of a relic of its time i think and if you're super interested in the werewolf genre i think it's probably worth taking the time to go back and watch cuz it's not a terrible movie and you know, you pointed out like it has some some good actors in it, and the performances are fine. Sure. Um, and Joe Dante is always going to be a competent director, so like the movie's not terrible. It's just not as good of a werewolf movie, I think, as I remember to be in. So, yeah, I I think this more than anything is on a script level. Probably more than anything, John John Sales. Um, 
director, I guess, best known for probably what Lone Star, I guess. Um, he he ends up coming in to write this script, and I just think it's really kind of slow and meandering a lot of times, more than anything. I think it has a really good inciting incident. I was I was fast. I really was like into it for the first fifteen minutes with the serial killer stuff. Um, and then the idea that maybe there was something to him that he was like a like a yeah werewolf or something like that because I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid so I barely remember most of it, and then it just becomes this kind of like um, meandering kind of hippieish, at times cerebral, boring cerebral like statement on like human nature I think and it's like I, I lost interest about maybe thirty minutes into it and. And, and then I was just kind of perplexed because it's like everything that everybody did, like, didn't make any sense. <laughs> like, it's like people should react one way in this situation and they react like not that way. Case in point, the famous transformation scene, it goes on for three minutes. Now, I know that like time yeah. is slowed because the camera's taking like, you know, is, is really focusing on this transformation. But this this fucking woman just stands there. Like, as, as dude, like, and I understand the idea of shock, and I understand, but it's like, come on, seriously? Like, you're just gonna stand there while this thing, like, changes into a fucking werewolf, and, like, you're just gonna, like, sit there and quake, and 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 I think what happens is, like, because I just found the characters not, not really uh, sympathetic whatsoever, I think I just, like, lost interest, like, and I, yeah. and, and I think what we're gonna find with me, at least anyway, with these movies, is the more sympathetic I can find the characters, and I can find like there's a story with like characters that are at least likable or interesting. Like I'm, I'm much more interested in like werewolf movies, and I think it goes for like Bad Moon. Um, like I, I really found the the dynamic of the brother and sister, and particularly with the brother dealing with it, like really sure. interesting. And I think we're going to find that, like, as we move on, like, I think there's more interesting stories being told behind this. And I just didn't find the story like that captivating after the serial killer stuff kind of disappeared. I thought the werewolf serial killer is like a cool idea that like, and then it just went into something different. But, right. So, yeah. I agree. yeah, I didn't really give that that much thought until just now when you were talking like of like what I why I was so kind of just like uh, about this movie and like you said it's not bad it's good acting I think the direction's fine um, I think it's one of Dante's probably weaker efforts among his famous movies uh, from a direction standpoint but um, yeah I think it's a writing problem or something I don't know um, my armchair analysis I did find mm -hmm. as I was reading here um, I didn't realize this and I'll the the reporter in in the movie is also the same same actor playing the same character in gremlins apparently as the reporter um which i i didn't know that but um it'll be interesting whenever if we ever talk about gremlins whenever we talk about gremlins which is an odd one that we've never talked about in for almost three years now but um which yeah it's been three years now because september is when we started so odd that we've never talked about gremlins in three years yeah but, um, I'll Especially because both of us enjoy Gremlins so much. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, th this is the movie that allowed him to make Gremlins. So if anything, right. like, it's worth right. appreciating for that. Because um, it was pretty successful at the box office. Um, it was released the same year as both Wolfen and American Werewolf, um, which is odd that three werewolf movies out of nowhere all of a sudden are released at the same time. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so not sure what was happening culturally that was making people think like, hey, we need some we need some fucking werewolf movies like up in here. So um, right. I don't know. Um, and 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 this spawned a franchise. I mean, not a very good one, I think, because I only think I've seen one. I think I've seen the Howling two, and I think that's it. But um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, this was like a long established franchise, like into the nineties, right? I mean, I think it still exists. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, there there there, there was what there was one made in 2011. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um it's it's eight eight movies deep, so it's um a right. larger size than almost yeah. I mean, except for you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the thirteenth and <laughs> this is really funny. Halloween. So Ron Tomatoes so Howling One seventy two percent and then Howling Two and I'll just read them two twenty seven percent, three seventeen percent, four not available, five not available, six not available, seven not available, eight twenty percent. <laughs> <laughs> so critically panned franchise overall but it's a long franchise <laughs> well yeah they're they're all pretty terrible movies but number five is there for your nostalgia so that makes sense completely with how much you like this as a kid so but and like yeah. i said it's not a bad movie like it's just just whatever all right, so number four on your list comes a year later in 1982, um, directed by Paul Schrader. It's Cat People. Um, it is also written by Alan Ormsby, um, who direct, co-directed the uh, fantastic movie, uh, again, Deranged, um, that we've talked about on the podcast before that you introduced me to. A great uh, kind of like small, low-budget um horror movie um about a serial killer which i'm not always a big fan of serial killer stuff but i love that fucking movie it's great um and then popcorn right yeah he also um the main actor in children shouldn't play with dead things Hmm. he's the um alan the guy that the warlock kind of in it yeah i never seen Um, him and yeah long long associate of um uh, bob clark so Okay. Um, and this stars um, Nastasia Kinski, Malcolm McDowell, John Hurd, and Annette O'Toole. It has a 61% from critics and a 45% from audiences. Uh, you want to tell us a little about this movie and uh, why it's on the list? So, movie opens with honestly, like artistically, one of the best sequences in any of these movies, which is a slow pan across the desert um, to the Giorgio Mordor, David Bowie, um, Cat People theme song, the Putting Out Fire with Gasoline. Um, most, I think, recently famously used in um, Inglorious Bastards. Um, to show this, uh, I guess, tribe of people um, who kind of live side by side with these giant black panthers um, and who sacrifice their children to these panthers. Um, and it shows a woman like a younger young girl um, and cuts to the modern day where there's a very similar like well it's the same girl but like um, Natasha Kinski traveling to America um, to reunite with her brother um, her brother played by Malcolm McDowell um, who instantly throws off weird creep incest vibes um, as he brings her into his French Quarter home um, yeah like zero to 60 on the incest vibes <laughs> oh yeah like from like the moment that you meet him like where he's up there like 
touching, touching her all weird and anyway um so he lives in this uh kind of manor house with his um creole voodoo housekeeper friend woman whatever um so he immediately goes missing like on their first night um and then there's a one of my favorite sequences in the movie where this um prostitute is assaulted um she goes into kind of meet this john and it turns out there's this giant black panther in the room that she's in that attacks her um she finds like this slimy shit on the bed um and then he attacks her and she gets away and then there's a panther trapped in this <laughs> this whorehouse that these people from the zoo have to come out and wrangle um and take back to the zoo so they do um it's um uh, what's his name john john heard right um yes john uh, Annette o'toole and ed bagley jr are the like intrepid like zoo team mm-hmm. um so kinski goes to the zoo and becomes like fascinated with drawing this black panther um and then sort of becomes enamored with the john hurd character um not really sure why because he's kind of just this condescending like egomaniac sort of um but a netto tool is also um in love with him as well for unknown reasons um so him and kinski's fall in love but she can't she refuses to consummate the relationship um and it turns out because her and malcolm mcdowell are members of this tribe who um number one reproduce incestuously because if they have sex with anyone that's not their sibling um they turn into a panther and maul the person to death basically uh so that's what happened to malcolm mcdowell um and the only way that they can revert i'm sorry they turn into the panther while they're having sex the only way they can revert is by killing someone in the panther form um so there's just this weird like erotic horror movie i guess um although it's not particularly erotic like despite how attractive natasha kinski is it's just kind of like slow and um i don't know i don't know if weird is the right word but anyway in the end um malcolm mcdowell is is trying to convince natasha kinski to have sex with him even though he's her her brother um which she does not do uh but she starts to become more and more bestial um but they're in love her and john hurt so in the end um he ties her to the bed and has sex with her one last time to turn her into the panther and then just keeps her at the zoo while he has a <clears throat> loveless relationship with Annette O'Toole. Uh, so that's that's it. Right. Yeah, yeah. You got it. And biggest negative about this movie is if you watch it on Peacock, they cut off the Bowie song at the end over the end credits. Like you have to like force your way back in um to listen to it. And it's just disappointing. Um so I think you and I were talking about this movie the other night, and what I described it as was a movie that's worse than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's a lot of elements of this movie that are pretty, pretty fantastic. I mean, the Trader's direction, I think, is really good. Um, at this point in his career, he's kind of obsessed with the idea of like color and um, almost abstract 
framing of scenes and the way that he films stuff so um and he does this a lot in mishima but um you'll have a character lit by a bright color and then like a stark black background behind them while they are like during the scene or um really vibrant colors like lighting different scenes depending on the mood that he's trying to convey it's it's pretty visually fantastic i think um it's super interesting to watch um you've got kinski who to me is one of the more underrated performers of the 70s and 80s <clears throat> um and definitely like a staple of uh 80s genre films and one of the most beautiful women in my opinion of like that time period um malcolm mcdowell who's a really accomplished actor um this supporting cast of all like good accomplished actors um and john heard um an interesting idea of this tribe in um the sahara or whatever that basically sacrifices itself to gain this power um over these panthers and um that whole like myth is pretty interesting and then just when you put it all together it's like eh kind of boring i guess and like uncomfortably i guess quote-unquote sexy sometimes and Mm -hmm. um generally one of the most unlikable male leads maybe in like any movie we've watched um because i think that the um, curator john hurd character is just like kind of a loathsome individual yeah um i will say this though and i i think he's a little bit supposed to be I know we had, didn't talk about it on the podcast, but the movie that you told me I should watch where he plays a Vietnam vet, like, investigating, like, local corruption. Um, I can't remember the name of it. I know. Cutter's Way? Cutter's Way, right, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I am starting to grow a real appreciation for John Hurt earlier in his career. Yeah, I think it might just be the roles that he gets later on. I don't know. Well, yeah, because he's kind of a piece of shit in real life, um, and it limited his roles of what he gets. Um, but uh, I know you've seen him like recently in The Sopranos in that small role playing the cop again, and um, that, that's one of the mm, first yeah. roles he gets in years. And um, I, he's he's always serviceable in everything he does. Um, but he um, he's really he, he's a good actor early in his career before like I guess personal demons get to him or something. Um, I still liked him in this movie, even though, I, yeah, I dislike him. I, I think he's just a dislikable person to some degree. Um, I agree with that. Um, and look, I don't want to. I don't want to give the impression that this is a terrible movie because it's not. It's just like really no. weirdly, weirdly put together, and I mean, it maybe almost like a failed experiment or something. I guess is a way to look at it, but um. There's some really beautiful imagery in this movie. There's some really good performances. Yeah. Um. I I love Natasha Kinski, uh, one of my favorite, again, genre actresses, and the daughter of one of my favorite genre actors in uh, Klaus Kinski. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, just just kind of weird and, um, but worth watching. I think. I mean, it's yeah. Again, never seen it. It's worth watching. I I don't. I don't just I, i'm i never seen it before but i'm um i i've really like come to appreciate schrader um a little bit more over time and so i'm glad i watched it because there, there's a lot there's a lot of good here 
but it's a mixed bag um certainly yeah yeah definitely um another um another little piece of trivia for you um john glarkett has a very small role in this um mm, yep. at one point and this is Larry Cat's third appearance on the podcast, technically. No, sorry, fourth appearance. I missed one. Um, he's the narrator of Texas Chainsaw, which we talked about in our first year. Um, he has a small role as an x-ray technician in Altered States, which we talked about, I guess, uh, last year, maybe. Um, and this is a second appearance this month, though, because he played one of the KKK members in the Twilight Zone in the first segment. Um, mm. so this is Larkett's second appearance. Um, and I can't really imagine he has many more appearances on here. Um, JFK maybe shows up if we like hate ourselves and want to do a bad episode about um uh Southland Tales. Um, uh, maybe he shows up. Um, and if we really reach down deep and um have to talk about Demon Knight someday, like maybe we'll um talk, <laughs> maybe he'll show up, but uh, he doesn't have much because you'll never put a blind date on a list ever. Um, no. Oh, you may I, put blind date on. Oh, we might be talking about blind date next May. Uh, I'll make a note of that. Uh, can I real real quick though? Our old friend Dave Kerr um, about this movie. Uh, mm. Dave Kerr, we haven't talked about him in a while, so this is him writing for the Chicago Reader. He says Paul Schrader's hammering art porno remake of Jacques Tournier's. Deaf little thriller of 1942, Natasha Kinski is the cat person, a European waif who moves in on a zookeeper, John Hurd, while a mysterious Black Panther prowls the city, nipping off limbs in gooey close-up. Once again, Schrader tries to elevate a set of pimply sexual hang-ups to the level of Wagnerian opera. If this 1982 film were any heavier, it would probably crash right through the screen. <laughs> That was that's uh that's Dave Kerr's uh takeaway from this movie. I mean he's 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 not wrong. He's not. <laughs> he's not. Um he's not. But yeah. But there's a lot of good things about this movie. I, I really like the direction of it. Um a lot Same here. But all right. So but now fire with gasoline. <laughs> Number three on your list is 2000's Ginger Snaps. It is directed by John Fawcett, who uh, nowadays is probably better known as the co-creator of Orphan Black. Um, and it stars Emily Perkins, Catherine Isabel, and Chris Lemchi, and also stars Mimi Rogers um, as the mother. It has a 90% from critics and a 78% from audiences. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about this movie and why it's on the list? Um, so the movie follows two sisters, um, Ginger and B, who are kind of outcasts at their school. Um, they're obsessed with the idea of death, and they take pictures of themselves in different um, circumstances, like looking like they're dead or whatever, like reenacting crime scene photos. Um but they're generally unpopular, kind of bullied by the more popular uh, kids in the school. Um, the guy that's, I guess, the the hip, like, bully, whatever, um, is sort of sexually fixated on Ginger because she has um, large, large boobs. Um, but 
one night as they're walking or they're in the um in a playground at night um ginger gets attacked and scratched by a creature um who then gets run over by the local drug dealer's van um and so begins her slow transformation into a were creature basically um she becomes more more confident more sexually active um sort of fluctuates between like being affectionate towards her sister and kind of alienating her sister um b is a i don't know you call it like a shrinking violet type character who's just kind of mousy and withdrawn um but now has to become more assertive to find a way to try and cure her sister um one of the best performances of the movie is uh, mimi rogers playing their mother who's so woefully inept at being a mother that she's constantly just trying to throw things at a wall to see what'll stick in terms of like being a good mother to her kids um and in a lot of ways like enables everything that happens because she's um convinced that she's doing good parenting by like letting them just go experience life on their own um and then ultimately decides you know like well we just need to burn the whole house down and start over once she kind of finds out that um her daughter's a werewolf um so uh ginger goes from just kind of like being like aggressive and um both sexually and like physically um to murdering the girl that had well she doesn't murder her but the girl dies um that she was bullying her and then she infects the um the male bully with um lycanthropy i guess so he starts to become kind of a werewolf um b and the uh drug dealer developed this weird um almost like pedophilic relationship because she's 15 and he's presumed to be i guess like an adult um and they um find a cure in what is it monkshood or something mm -hmm. um so it's a race to try and save her sister um but ultimately she's unable to um and the movie ends with um um ginger attacking bridget uh while bridget has a knife in her hand and ginger impaling herself and then um be kind of reflecting upon their like their love as sisters as ginger dies um so i saw this movie i don't i don't even know why like this is one of those ones where when you and i were going out every week um to borders and best buy and i was just buying like dvd upon dvd mm -hmm. um this is a movie I found that way. Um, it was really impressed by it. Um, not only the, the direction, which I think is good in the, um, the tension that's built up through the movie, um, but just the almost like kind of unique feminist take on um, werewolves and lycanthropy um, because most um, main characters in these movies, antagonists, protagonists, whatever, uh, tend to be men. Um, but the idea of like the um, number one, the fact that it's tied to her, basically like she has not gotten her period. And then like, as soon as she becomes a werewolf, she gets her period. Um, and then her increased confidence and um, like sexual forwardness and just um, general like attitude about standing up for herself. Um, it's an interesting metaphor, I guess, for like puberty and, mature like the maturing process um, which a lot of werewolf movies kind of end up being sure. um 
I think the performances are pretty great in this. Again, I think Mimi Rogers is probably, to me, the standout. Um, but the girl that plays B does a really good job as well. Um, and Ginger does too. Um, I think the movie's best served because they show the werewolf as little as possible. Because when you actually see the werewolf, it's it's pretty lame. Like the um, the makeup effects and stuff. Are, it, it's very obviously like a person in a suit animatronic thing or whatever. Um, but they build that tension long enough where they don't show you or they just show her um, almost like the Buffy vampire treatment. Um, some really funny moments in the movie, um, especially early on, like in Ginger's infection, like um, as she's growing a tail and um, some also some kind of sad and poignant stuff, like the idea of these two sisters who are um, basically like the only people each other have and then kind of moving up part and again another i think kind of an analogy um for the the process of like going through puberty and growing up and discovering yourself and hormones whenever causing you to move apart from your family um definitely written in the vein of something like the faculty or whatever like you know it's inspired i would imagine by um that rebirth of horror in the late 90s with kevin williamson and um stuff like scream or whatever because it's written to be like smart and clever um but with a good heart to it um and ultimately again like most of these werewolf movies end you know it ends in tragedy but um it gets you there well and it does a good job and definitely worth watching absolutely i think it has a good sense of humor when it does have a sense of humor about itself and it's really heartening to see a coming of age story tied into a werewolf story and the focus is still more on the coming of age story i think and like the difficulties that young girls go through um like during this time period of like the duality of things like you know it's like not to say that I think men go through it a hell of a lot less, but it's like this idea that it's like, okay, so now she's like, you know, whatever, had her period and she's sexually attractive to men, but like in her household, she's considered like almost like this like fucking grotesque monster, you know? And it's like, um, it's like, and it's like that kind of like difficulty of, of having to deal with that, um, depending on who you're talking to or who, you know, is, is I think that's something that like this movie plays with in you know in a fun but serious way um, sure. throughout and um, yeah I had never seen this before I mean, you've been telling me about it's all those lists that you make me every few years like where it's like hey I text you it's like give me movies to watch and you like put put movies on a list for me and then I only watch like five of them um, you've had right. this on this list for years. Um, so I finally was like forced to watch it and I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great movie. Um, I, I'm sad that I hadn't seen it earlier and, um, yeah, but, uh, it's, it's a solid movie and I thought it was refreshing to see a female, a, a female story that was not like kind of like the howling, right? Like the female character in that, who's like, you know, the werewolf, who's like this basically like promiscuous murder, um, and it just, you know, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it was just refreshing to actually see a real story tied into the werewolf concept. Yeah. <clears throat> characters with, with that I can sympathize with, uh, you know. Right, exactly. Characters that are likable and yeah. 
um fully developed like not perfect or whatever but mm-hmm. it kind of in a lot of ways especially with b like people that you know you kind of have known in your life like people that have acted like that or sure sure <clears throat> yeah i have um i have a lot of affection for this movie and not um the second one is decent i'm i'm not a huge fan of uh, ginger uh, ginger snaps back mm-hmm. um but I think all three are probably worth watching as like a well, I, I yeah okay. So apparently one of like they're are they prequels to one of them or is one of them or both prequels or like I I do you remember because I I tried to read about back, them. Back is the prequel, I think. Okay, it's I I haven't seen um two or back since well probably since they came out. So right. I don't know. Gotcha. Fifteen, sixteen yeah. years, something like that. But yeah, this is a really good movie. Um, I I really like this a lot. Um, it's also also worth noting that um, this is during a time period where there's kind of a resurgence of female um, female centric horror movies. So you have this, and there's May. Um, oh Grace. yeah, I I love that. Yeah, that was another one I watched last year that you told me to watch. Yeah, yeah, and all around this time period. So um, and leading into later, like stuff like The Babadook and It Follows and mm-hmm. Hereditary, Annihilation, like all these movies that are you know with female characters at their their core. Yeah. Um, and not female characters that are screaming on the damn cover of the movie. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Strong, strong female, strong female leads that are well written and well rounded characters, and not just like set pieces or a reason to show boobs or right, right. Like someone that gets stabbed and killed, or or um, this or this idea. Like uh, quickly, <laughs> I, I won't go on too much of a side tangent here. But I was as I was watching, I told you off air that I was watching the. Uh, special from joe bob briggs um from a couple years ago on shutter where he watches halloween and four and then halloween four and five and um i was watching all that because i hadn't watched that yet and he was talking about halloween and one critic talked about how i'm paraphrasing but it's like one female critic talked about how um laurie strode is this like badass like you know like that shows no fear like woman in the in the original halloween right um and and, and joe bob Briggs um, was calling bo- bullshit on that and saying like, no, she shows fear plenty and she shows a healthy amount of fear and continues on anyway. And that's why she's a strong female character, not because she's this ultimate badass that like, you know, is able to like, you know, outwit, overpower, figure out ways to like take it. It's like, no, she she's keen. She figures out how to survive. And right. And, and and she continues to survive, and that's what makes her strong. And that later on, when she is older and has learned skills because of the trauma, then it makes sense that she's a badass woman. Um, you know, like so. But I see too many movies nowadays, and that's that's the reference I was making, just to be clear about the woman screaming on the cover of of the box, um, which I see on Shutter all the time. Um, it's always a woman just like screaming in the middle of the woods, like yelling, but it's not like a right. yell, like I'm like terrified. I'm, I'm, it's this yell of like, I'm powerful, I'm strong. And I see too many movies like that with female leads anymore, where it's like they're just all, they're just badasses from the beginning. And, um, or there's the turning point where they're the wallflower and then become a badass, which I think is just as annoying of a trope. Um, I think the idea of like showing, 
women having fear that is natural, and I would also say men having fear that is natural to the circumstances they are in, and then overcoming those things is what makes a strong character, not just right. arbitrarily making like you know a strong female character. Um, that doesn't really like necessarily fit. It just feels like it's fake at that point. Um, real quick, can I read? Um, can I read a, a, a reviewer from? Um, uh, Rotten Tomatoes real quick about this movie? Sure, world, baby. All right. His name is Cash. All right. Oh, okay. Well, um, I'm already I'm already inclined to take him seriously. So all right. His name is Cash. Absolute trash. It was more about high school drama than werewolves, maybe. And I mean just maybe. Three minutes of actual werewolf screen time, absolute garbage. Only four dead humans with 20 dogs. No suspense, no action. I'm baffled on how biased Rotten Tomatoes is. It gave this an 89. Are you kidding me? This movie is absolute garbage. Last my fucking ass off. I've seen every werewolf movie except Werewolf Rising, and this is by far the worst. Nothing but melodrama about periods for half the movie. This movie is horrendous and disgusting, and I'll never in my life take part in watching this horrible piece of garbage. Do not waste your time in watching it let alone buying it <laughs> uh just so you know every single female um rotten tomatoes user and critic um thought that uh didn't think anything less than this movie was great <laughs> just so you know um so when you, when I, when i say it's a 90% from critics and a 78% from audiences uh, you can take a guess on on who didn't like it right Man, who wants to get all that period drama? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> all right. Number two on your list is... They're both from 2014? I didn't realize that until just now. All right. So number two on your list is from 2014. Uh, the movie is titled Late Phases. It is directed by Adrian Garcia Boglonia. Boglonio. Um, it stars Nick DiMicci. Ethan Embry, Lance Guest, and Tina Luis. It has a 62% from critics and a 44% from audiences. Um, you want to tell us a little about this movie and um, why it's so high up on the list? Um, so the movie follows uh, Ambrose, who is a blind, um, retired Army veteran, I think he's Army, mm -hmm. um, who's being moved into a pretty high-end, like, exclusive um retirement community um by his son um ambrose is somewhat standoffish uh, just very kind of matter of fact um so his first day there he makes friends with this um lovely like old lady he kind of charms her um and then runs afoul of like three other older women in the community who are more um like catty and fake uh, who are trying to bring him desserts or whatever. Uh, so the first night that he's there, um, uh, what is her name? Dolores, the woman that he becomes friends with is attacked and mauled by some sort of creature in her home um, who then breaks into his home and um, murders his seeing eye dog. Um, so it then becomes kind of a, like sort of a weird murder mystery kind of mm -hmm. where he's trying to investigate like who this like 
what this creature is um because he susses out pretty quick through the fact that there was a full moon and um the nature of the attack that it was a, a werewolf um while so like rubbing everyone in the community the wrong way basically yes um because he realizes he has a month to get to that point where he can figure it out um until the next full moon uh so ultimately um he realizes like who the werewolf is although at that point the werewolf um has attacked two of the women in the community two of the women that had kind of turned on ambrose in the beginning um and turned them into werewolves so now there's a trio of werewolves that are coming after him um but he has his house um set up like with his hearing aid one of the greatest scenes where he's got his hearing aid in and is using it to kind of like blindly line up shots with his rifle um and ends up killing um the three werewolves and then had overdosed on his medication beforehand so he would not turn into a werewolf um and they're kind of a poignant scene at the end where his son realizes like how much his father actually loved him um during his funeral i really like oversimplified it but honestly like it's more or less just a character study on ambrose mm -hmm. um as a guy who is very set in his ways and has a very clearly defined notion of right and wrong <clears throat> and has very little time for anyone's bullshit um some hilarious stuff with him as a character like he instead of having a walking cane he has a shovel that he walks around with and uses uh -huh. the shovel to like tap out the ground and um <clears throat> spends a large portion of the month like slowly digging a grave for um his dog's body and you learn they didn't really need the the dogs of seeing eye dog was just his companion and doesn't want it replaced because um i guess of the the trauma of the the death of like the one thing in the world that actually loved him unconditionally yeah. um and some really good stuff with uh what is that actor's name tom, uh, tom noonan yeah tom noonan mm -hmm. um as a almost like new age like nihilistic priest yeah um who's kind of drawn to uh ambrose by his sort of nihilistic attitude towards life um and is tied in with the guy that's actually the werewolf um which i think they do a pretty good job of disguising sort of like i think you kind of figure it out pretty early on like who it is but it's still like getting to the point where you know they reveal it is is still a fun ride um just well paced um again some silly werewolf special effects um unfortunately but not terrible and by the time you get to that point in the movie like you're so invested that it's okay i think still <clears throat> um really fantastic performance um by a uh, nick damacy who i don't really know as ambrose mckinley and then um some small like character actors that are in a bunch of other um like horror movies from this time period like again tom noonan um larry fessen i'm gonna yeah. say his name wrong fessenden fessen yeah um who did a a, a decent wendigo movie um mm -hmm. And is really does a lot of producing for younger horror directors, yeah. 
yeah he's he's a pretty fascinating guy in terms of just his artistic output and uh, what he does for the horror genre um yeah. playing playing an overeager uh tombstone salesman um yes, both those scenes are pretty funny as well mm-hmm. um but it's got a good sense of humor to it while not ever being a comedy really um anchored by just a fantastic performance um by the guy that plays ambrose and really worth watching it, it really is like um again like this struck me because it's a character study more than it is i mean with a werewolf movie background to it um like this is more about this guy and how he integrates into a new life um and tries to overcome regret and like you know his past and his experiences and ultimately end up like you know deciding to go out doing something good rather than continuing to bring everybody else down around him and it's just really like you said there's a lot of like little like like stuff that's like really funny in it like from a character standpoint but it's like it's really fucking tragic and the movie like is actually like really sad to watch like considering it's like once you realize the end it's like in some ways it's like it's him deciding to almost like commit suicide by werewolf um and i i like the your number one movie i really love as well um which i also hadn't seen i hadn't seen most of these movies and I love it as well. Like to me, this was like the one A to its one B. Like, and you kind of flip flopped them a little bit, but it's like they're both like excellent movies in different ways. And it's like this was the one that I think I like kind of like liked the most and connected with the most. Um, and a lot of it does have to come down to uh, Dimitri's like um, performance. I think I don't know this guy. Apparently, he did play a small role in uh, World Trade Center, um, which we talked about on. Uh, the quick cage, but um, I don't really know him other than that. And the the one actor, the the actors I did know out of this, um, which is a really low budget movie overall, like considering, um, is uh, Tom Noonan, which you mentioned, who I think is fantastic as as uh, as the priest. Um, he in Ty West's House of the Devil, which I think is the first time, like, I, I noticed him, even though, like, I realized later, it's like, oh, he's the guy from Manhunter back in, like, the 80s. Like, the, oh, yeah, yep. Um, and, and then it's like, when I looked him up, I was like, oh, I do know this guy from stuff, because he's also in a role in um, an, an okay movie to me, like, Hoffman's Synecdoche in New York. Um, mm. Like, he has a role that's really good in that, and I remembered him. Um, but that was like right at the time I stopped watching movies. So <laughs> right around that time, um, I'm not blaming Synexy in New York. Um, but blame Easter. <laughs> sure, why not? Because <laughs> he always tried to make you watch Synexy New York. Mm-hmm. He talked about that movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I blame the squid in the whale more than anything, probably for me stopping to watch movies. But um. But also Ethan Embry, which everybody kind of like knows. And I mean, Embry's fine in this movie. Um, he's Embry. But uh, but yeah, the, the main performance of the Noonan performance like created this like basically through line for me of like what this movie was actually about and what it was doing. 
Um, and their conversations, I thought, like, really, like, in cigarette breaks that they took, like, you know, really carried this movie in a lot of ways to me. And um, it did bother me a little bit. And you saw my father once, is how much Dimitri resembles in some ways my father. Um, oh. um, he, he's, he's, like... You put him in. You put him in the shadows, and it's like it looks like my father. Um, so that like actually did bother me a little bit, but like, um, there's probably now it's like, your oh. turn for psychological, right? Trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, I was intriguing. Um, maybe it was like almost like watching like a better version of my <laughs> my father to some degree on the screen. But maybe you um, can pretend like that's how he went out. Sure, maybe, maybe. Um, uh. There's also uh, a guy named Lance Guest in this, um, and I saw his name. And I was like, "How the hell do I know his name?" And I have no idea why I know his name. Do you have any mm-hmm. idea who Lance Guest is, by any chance? Like as an actor? Like I've seen this guy's name like in the past two weeks for some reason. Um. Like it's apparently he's he's in Halloween two in eighty one, but it's like I think there's something else that like I've seen this dude in, but it's like I look at his filmography, I have no idea, no idea. Well, in, the last, in the last Starfighter, I wouldn't have looked up the last Starfighter anytime soon. I don't know. I'll have to figure it out. But there's something that's happened recently. Lance Guest is in a movie coming up or some shit or something that I've I've seen this guy's name. Um, but yeah, anyway, to... yeah, I know, I know there's something though. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not imagining this. Are you sure you weren't thinking about Lance Bass? <laughs> I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty think... sure, pretty sure I wasn't thinking about Lance Bass, no, but I mean, I think uh, you were thinking about Lance Bass. I don't think I, I, I think, I think I have the, a distinction between the two of them. Um, I think I, I think I actually know who Lance Bass is, um, as opposed to Lance Guest. But there's something with that guy, and then it's 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 common. But well, he's been in a lot more things than what um, Wikipedia. Oh, I, guess be, I guess because Wikipedia splits it between um, film and uh, television. Yeah, and yeah. MDIB just combines it all together. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really, I don't really, I don't yeah, know what to tell you. I'll figure it out at some point and never update the audience on this. Nice. I tried. I don't um, even remember. I know. Yeah, I thought this is an excellent movie. I would, um, I would recommend it. Um, a friend of ours on Facebook, um, that I used to work with, um, had a blog post of her favorite werewolf movies on there and had this on her to watch list. I, I made sure to notify her this week, like, this is one I would watch that was on her watch list. And um, yeah, I, I was really impressed by this movie a lot. I thought like for such a, and I thought the, the, the special effects in this were really good for how low budget it was. And then I was, as I was reading about it, I forget his name already. Um, Kirkman. Kirkman. Yeah. They brought Kirkman in to do this. And I started reading about this Kirkman guy. Cause again, I don't pay attention to special effects ever. And I was telling you about this. I ran about this guy. It's like, Oh my God, like this guy's done everything. Like this guy is like the, like I had never heard of him before. 
Um, like I just know fucking Tom Savini, you know. I mean, like I I don't I don't know shit about special effects, and it's like this guy is like amazing, like like the most like one of the most amazing dudes like I've ever like seen in terms of the number of films that he's worked on, and like yeah. basically gets called in as a special favor to do this movie, and I think the werewolf shit in this is just as good as any of these movies that we've talked about so far. Sure, yeah, definitely <laughs> good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, So, number one on your list, also from 2014, it's called Spring. It is directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. It stars Lou Taylor Pucci and Nadia Hiker. It has an 85% from critics, a 70% from audiences. You want to tell us a little bit about this movie and uh, why it's number one on the list? Uh, so, Pucci plays Evan, um, who is a young young man who kind of gave up his college aspirations to come home and care for his ailing parents um his mother passes away from cancer and on the day of her funeral um he gets in a physical altercation with a guy who's being an asshole um at the bar he's working at um while he's there mourning his mother's like death um beats the shit out of the guy um and ends up being wanted by the police so on a whim decides to escape the country go to Italy to get away from the police pressure. Um, while in Italy, uh, kind of aimlessly going around with a couple of guys, um, I guess they're what, like Irish or something? Um, a couple of other like expats yeah. that he mixed up with uh, where they're just drinking and having a good time. Um, he becomes enamored of this woman that he sees in this town. Um, super beautiful. They strike up a conversation and she kind of offers to you know, why don't you just come off with me? And then he declines because he wants to actually get to know her. Um, so over the course of a couple of days, um, he develops a relationship with her. They kind of develop feelings for each other. Uh, simultaneously, he's taken a job um, on this old man's farm. Um, this old man who's speaks a little bit of English and kind of is giving him advice and um, sort of almost being like a father figure to him. Um, he, the relationship with the woman kind of is hot and cold because she'll be um, aloof at times and kind of pushes him away and at a certain point tells him they can't see each other anymore. But um, he runs afoul of Italian immigration, so he connects back with her. Um, and over the course of time realizes that she is a possibly immortal shape changing um like mythical monster of the mediterranean basically um she reveals that she's lived all over the world over the course of what two thousand years i think yes although that timeline doesn't make sense with some other stuff but anyway it doesn't really matter um right he sees her like transformed in her um living room she's keeping herself in human form by injecting herself with uh, stem cells basically um but every 20 years she has to mate and reproduce herself um so she basically gives birth to herself and then within a few weeks that child grows into being a 20 year old woman that she remains for the next 20 years um 
he refuses to give up on her. Um, they spend a long night kind of like talking about why he loves her and um, what will happen if they stay together and she'll either basically turn into a monster and kill him or if she internally has decided that she loves him, um, she'll stay young and give birth to their child and they'll, you know, whatever. Um, and then the last scene is um, the sun rising on this, the day that she should have been transforming and her still in his lap and um, gives the impression that, you know, as if, I guess, what is it, Vesuvius or something is erupting in the background, mm-hmm. um, that they're, uh, they're going to stay together. Um, it's a pretty simple movie in terms of, like, concept. I'm well, it's actually a pretty high-minded movie in terms of concept, but in terms of, like, overall execution, I mean, it's really just following, like, these two characters, more or less, and then um, kind of just the old man as sort of the father figure, but really amazing script to this movie um does a fantastic job of building an incredibly believable relationship between these two young people um while still introducing this absolutely fantastical element of the fact that she's you know kind of this creature that's sort of like lived and gone around the world and kind of had to reinvent herself every 20 years um beautifully shot i think on location in italy um at times poignant and at times tense and um there's a scene where early on in their relationship she has him row out in a boat into this like hidden little cave in this inlet where the water comes in and illuminates everything and it's just these like really beautiful moments that it's if you take out the monster element it's actually a really good romantic drama, like almost in the vein of something like Before Sunset. Yeah, I was going to um, say, yep, yep. But then introducing the monster element, which doesn't ever come off as silly or contrived, and it's just like a facet of this woman's character and ultimately becomes a facet of um, Evan's character in the sense of him loving her so much that he's like willing to take the risk of you know what might happen because it's worth it to him um and over the course of like dialogue because there's some fantastic dialogue in this movie you just find out that he was kind of aimless before anyway and then with the death of his parents it's sort of been such a blow that he's having trouble like focusing on his life and this is the thing that kind of brings him back around and has him embrace um like living again but just a really brilliant poignant beautiful movie um i think that benson and moorhead are two of the better directors working today um yeah. in terms of the films that they do and we've talked about the endless and we've talked about um shit a few other other movies I can't uh, we talked about resolution at one point too I, I think we talked about the endless and resolution the same episode for for a um oh when you watched them the first time, a fresh five. Oh, right. Yep. Yeah. Um, but they really capture like the the quaint, like small beauty of this like little Italian seaside town, and also um the kind of alien I don't know, feeling that like an American with no knowledge of the language would sort of feel like in that um 
that setting and also like juxtaposes that with the like the true alienness of this um woman creature um that's desperately just trying to like survive not 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 desperately but like trying to like quietly survive and move and how the two of them coming together disrupts their lives in a good way and i don't know it's just um it's a really well done movie um yeah super surprising the first time so i can't remember how i read this movie described but not the way that this movie was so i was really surprised by how like poignant it was and how little of like actual like whatever jump scare monster creature feature shit was in it um and usually i like that stuff but i really was impressed with how they used it here and how they developed the characters and how well the movie's written and just the performance of the two like you believe like legitimately that they love each other yeah um so yeah it's just it's a it's a really great yeah and i I, honestly like i don't know if i even like the main male character in it at all like completely like and i and i think it adds nuance to it but um i found even the stuff early on before he leaves to go overseas really interesting as like like him and his best like him and the guy's best friend like you know the bar fight like i think all that stuff's like really well done and really interesting because it keeps you guessing the entire time of where it's going right and um when she ends up being like some sort of like cthulhu like monster like um it's um it's not what i was expecting i didn't read anything about this all i knew is it was on your rare creature list and i knew who directed it but i didn't know what to expect out of this so the idea that it ended up becoming a ro- like a like a romantic like it's like to some degree like a romantic movie like in the midst of like being this like fucking lovecraftian body horror type thing like was like a combination of genres i did not anticipate like whatsoever and yeah i was really intrigued by this movie i really liked it a lot i thought it's really good i think i agree with you these two are talents like and they also did most people probably know more than anything if they if they haven't like seen anything from they know synchronic probably more than anything because it was on netflix right right um which is a decent movie i don't think it's necessarily their best effort like but it's 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 a decent movie um but it ended up getting on on netflix because of anthony mackie starring in it and um, I don't know if you know, but out of the six episodes of Moon Knight that are coming out on Disney Plus, they directed two of them. Oh, um, I didn't. Yeah, That's so I'm cool. I'm assuming Mackie probably ended up. It has to be like you know ended up probably getting them work in some ways. Um, so it's very possible. Like if they, you know, I mean, with something like that, it's like they could end up getting money and blowing up even more. Um, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, I, I was happy when I saw that forum when I was doing research for this. Um, but yeah, no, great movie. Um, really enjoyed watching it. And um, yeah, like I, I would recommend watching all of, uh, I even like their, uh, even though I that's my least favorite VHS movie, uh, they did a segment for VHS Viral, and it's probably like my favorite um, segment out of the, the Viral movie. Um, is that one so um 
but yeah, uh, no, talented filmmakers, good movie. And yeah, li- the Linklater comparison, I did see when I was doing research that Linklater like praised this movie um, at the film festival that was shown at. Like, yeah. so I think, he, I think he got the idea that there is like to some degree this like European adventure of like, you know, the, the cocky, like overbearing American with the European woman is to some degree like, I think an well, the, homage and mocking yeah. a little bit of. So one one of the best things about it though is that Evan, while initially like kind of like falling in with the loud, brash, um, touristy people, really does his best to kind of like sublimate himself into the culture there, and wants to learn how to farm, and he wants to be helpful to this old man, and he tried like they they juxtapose him a number of times with um other tourists that are in the town that are loud and brash and like traditional like typical ugly american types mm-hmm. um and i think it does a really good job of kind of building his character by showing him as someone that's trying to be at least a little more respectful of the culture in the um you know the area that he's in um no, I, I do agree with you. Uh, as much as I joke, like that's the saving grace to him in this movie is the relationship he develops with the old man and showing the old man respect. Um, that allows him to grow a little bit, but also show that he's not a complete jerk at the same time. Yeah. Um, and it, it does a good job of also establishing that, like, how do I want to say this? That he's not like the great white American hope or whatever. Like he's. Mm-hmm lost and unsure of himself and at the mercy of like the local authorities basically um yeah well yeah, i i, well, I, I think it's a really the, good um yeah so the, the only criticism i saw from audiences that i was reading through it that was consistent at least um a lot of people would just like the romantic angle that it took like throughout it but um one of the things i saw was that like why the fuck would she ever go for this guy and then why would he go for her like it didn't make sense to some people like you know like this dude is like this like basically like fuck up from america and she's a 2000 year old cthulhu monster and he and 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 he's like a dude that's like trying to like figure shit out in his life but he gets involved with a cthulhu monster like people just didn't get the romance aspect of it i guess i mean so that's that's an interesting question because there is no romance at first on her part Mm -hmm. she just needs someone to propagate with like that's that's what he's there for is to provide his sperm and it's his tenacity and love for her that i think causes her to fall in love with him Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the fact that he's like not just about like a quick lay that he's really like interested in her and he's right wants to know about her and wants to go to like museums with her and I think that he wins her over by his um, persistence, you know, his, yeah, his persistence kind of. Yeah. So, I mean, I agree. Like, what would they, like, why would they be together? Whatever. Um, But I think ultimately they answer that question in a pretty, pretty convincing and, you know, like satisfying way. So, right. I mean, the, the idea is she's trying to push him off the entire time by like making herself a quick play um, and making herself a little difficult and maybe a little bit crazy like when she like pretends not to remember him the next day after they have sex like when he goes into the store i think she's trying to make herself off-putting so he goes away and he doesn't go away 
because he actually, and she ends up believing that he actually is interested in her, which he is. Um, yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, I think that's like largely what does it is that she sees enough that um, she believes that he really is interested in her as opposed to, you know, what she's always looking for. So she is like kind of putting some shit on him, um, pretending like he's going to be like every other guy who's just trying to get laid, I guess. But um, no, it's an interesting story. I mean, I think. I think if I watch it again, I would take even more away from it in terms of like the relationship aspect of it. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, solid movie, worth watching. Maybe a little cheating too, because I don't know how much she's really like a wear creature necessarily. Um, that was I was gonna I was gonna bring that up. Don't worry. Um, is that like all of these are werewolf movies except for this movie, which is the yeah, only wear creature? Cat people. It's it's a wear cat movie. Oh, okay. 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 Um, oh, yeah. She's like a mythological, like a, I, I, I would imagine based on, um, like the cilia, maybe. I don't know if you're familiar with that myth, but, um, the woman who's like top part woman, bottom part, like wolf seal octopus, kind of. Not, not familiar with that, no. It's SCY. S-C-Y-L-L-A, I think. Oh, I have heard of that, but I don't know what that is. Um, um, but anyway, yeah, I don't like I I just love this movie and it felt like a good time to talk about it. So oh yeah, yeah. never mind. I know what this says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I played God of War. Come on. Um is there so is yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something like that in, in God oh, of War. Yeah. Right, right, right. Like at the very beginning of God of War three, maybe or something. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Um yeah. I didn't play Tons of Dragons all those years and I learned a little something about courage. Um, I really what like this. I really like this list overall. Like um it was it was a good list. I hate I don't like the howling. <laughs> I thought there were some interesting components at the beginning of the howling, and I really did not like the howling at all. Re rewatching it after 30 years or something like that. But um but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed aspects of all of them, but I really like the last three movies a lot. Um, those modern movies, having not seen them before, I thought they were really good. Um, Agreed. So, um, yeah, I don't think I have much else to say. I, I enjoyed the list this week. Uh, I was I was glad to watch a lot of these movies, um, four of them for the first time, Howling for the first time after many years, so... Good stuff. Um, we um, we have five weeks in October, so not to say that we haven't been working um, still, like on podcasts, but it's like we have five weeks, so we're going to be taking another break next week, um, and then we'll be back in two weeks with another top five episode, uh, which will be the end of our. 10 years of 90s horror which is the top five films 1999 uh we've been doing a little bit of work on that already um considering the importance of one of those movies in terms of horror for the next sure. 20 years um that we already done uh we're also still finishing up the quick cage which we have mm. four episodes left um, with a quick cage until Nick Cage inevitably does more movies next year. 
but we only have four episodes left of the quick cage uh we'll be finishing that up in about a month and uh we've also been doing every couple weeks episodes of a new podcast called the best 30 minutes where me frank and our friends mike bledsoe and orion wellmaker um, have a different topic each week and bring one thought or experience um, with us to kind of talk about that topic to, I guess, basically document ourselves and leave some sort of legacy um, uh, and time capsule type shit. I don't know. Um, I just show up and talk about whatever the topic is at this point. Same here. <laughs> so, um, but I like it. I enjoy it. It's yeah, like, I, I, I've been really enjoying it. But yeah. Well, mainly because it's 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> like, uh, like we get on here and it's like the quick cage, like was supposed to be a 20 minute podcast every week. And it's like that shit turned into like, you know, after like what, like 10 weeks, it was like it turned into a 40 minute podcast and an hour long yeah. podcast. And, um, but um, I'll miss the wicked cage once gone as much as I joke about it. Um, <clears throat> so that's uh, so we're still we're still working, even though we're only doing three episodes out of five weeks this this month. Uh, when we come back in November, we will be doing uh, the top five motorsports movies, uh, co-hosted um, as 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 the primary, I guess, host maybe uh, by friend of the podcast jason heaster who selected the movies um and is going to tell us about those movies and then we are doing a fresh five and then after that we will finish off the year doing the top five movies of 1971 1981 1991 and 2001 as we've been doing for the past two years uh and then a special christmas episode year end of the year episode that we will be covering that is always uh well no not always but it will be winter themed this year, um, uh, like it was two years ago. Hedvig was not winter themed whatsoever last year. Uh, can you believe that's going to be? Can you believe that's going to be a year here soon? It doesn't feel like that longer that we talked about Hedvig. No, that's true. It's it's crazy, like how quickly, like ah, time's all out of joint. All right, so God, you know what's you know what's really crazy is that yeah. we're going to be coming up on two years of fucking COVID yes yes like in a in a that that doesn't i don't know i don't even know how to feel about that yeah that's I not, mean, not necessarily like here in america but it's well i mean not, let's not say that but it's like that shit was here like longer than they um than they let on initially like as of now we know like january 27th i think was the first like official case but um but yeah like we're definitely coming up like you know on two years of like when the first outbreak happened um crazy but um crazy. yeah but uh the quick cage like has largely happened during that time like so many episodes have happened at the time episode 126 frank yeah that's crazy i know all right so we'll be back in two weeks with the top five horror movies in 1999 and um uh that will include i'm assuming a kind of like a recap of horror in the 90s and maybe like kind of like a little bit of discussion of what is to come in the 2000s which we will pick up again in two years probably is my guess yeah. so um thank you for listening everybody um frank's getting ready to fall asleep or urinate one of the two um, or both at the both same time. <laughs> that would 
Be interesting to see. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a good night. Have a good night. Yep.